Hello, my lovely people, and welcome to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we will be talking about Jack and Bill. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get through it. <laughs> it's not, yeah, okay, it's not that bad. Season six, episode five, first aired October 29th, 1989. And the IMDb summary reads, Jessica narrates the story of an ex-football player turned private eye who investigates the murder of his old teammate with the help of a savvy pooch. So let's get into the trivia. This is one of several episodes intended as a possible pilot for a spinoff series that never worked out. Now, I'll say this. We had the grand old lady which was supposed to be part of a series that ended up being canceled before the episode could be taped and aired, right? And I said for that one, if the father and son had a show, but mostly focused on the son helping out the father, the son maybe being a private investigator, something to that effect, I'd watch that. Not bad. It's in the 1940s. It had a theme There we go. This one, I don't know. Okay, I don't know if I would have watched this series. As much as I uh, like Ken Howard, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would have watched this. Now, before I get into The Returners, this theme of, uh, law enforcement officer, private investigator situation with a dog partner was very popular in 1989. And there were two movies in 1989 that had this same theme. Now he's a private investigator here, but a police officer with a canine officer. Now, I'm going to reveal what those two movies are at the end of this. But if you guess it beforehand, go ahead and put that on Instagram or Facebook or on Patreon. Okay. Two movies. Both came out in 1989. Police officer, canine officer. Partnered up. There you go. Now let's get in. And there was also one in 1980, 1995. Okay. 1995. Only one of these three actually did well. So extra points. If you know the one from 1995. She worked for Leland Biddle, his advertising agency, in Corned Beef and Carnage, season three, episode five. In this episode, she plays Celia James. A very small part in this, and it's her last Murder, She Wrote episode. Then we have Warren Berlinger, and we will recognize him first as Coach Pat Patillo, in Sudden Death, season one, episode 16. And then next as Jim Ingram, the security guard in what? Corned Beef and Carnage. 
who thought that Christine liked him. Okay. <laughs> he was something else. And that was season three, episode five. In this episode, he plays Sugarman, who is the superintendent of the building that Bill Boyle lives in. And this is his last Murder, She Wrote episode. We then have Pat Harrington Jr. And we will recognize him first as Assistant District Attorney Mel Comstock from Footnote to Murder, season one, episode 17. I believe he's the one who wanted to get press and he was getting involved in the investigation of the murder when it really wasn't his place. And we will recognize him next as Gunner Global, the movie producer who was sitting next to Jessica in first class in The Corpse Flew First Class, season three, episode 12. In this episode, he plays... Detective Lieutenant Lou Brickman and is also the brother-in-law of Bill Boyle or former brother-in-law. So (laughs) there you go. Then, of course, we have Ken Howard and we will recognize him first as Detective Sergeant Barnes in Murder at the Oasis, season one, episode 20. Spoiler alert, he was the murderer. So (laughs) if you've gotten this far, hopefully you've seen that episode and heard that review. We'll next recognize him more recently as Hank Shipman in Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, part one and part two, season five, episode 21 and 22. And in this episode, he plays the lead as Bill Boyle. We then have Rosanna Huffman, who's been in several episodes. Okay, first we have Eleanor Thompson, season one, episode zero, or episode one and two, whatever your pleasure, the murder of Sherlock Holmes. Then she was Connie Mills, the wife of Artie Mills, in Tough Guys Don't Die, season one, episode 15. Then she was Helen Stully, in Keep the Home Fries Burning, season two, episode 14. Then she was Dora Manchester, the pastor's wife, in Trouble in Eden, season four, episode nine. Then <laughs> she was Miriam Harwood, the victim, in The Sins of Castle Cove, season five, episode 17. In this episode, she plays Marge Brickman. And last, but certainly not least, we have Glenn Turman. We will recognize him first as Ben Coleman from the Murder to uh, from Murder to a Jazz Beat, season one, episode twelve. He was spoiler the victim, and not for nothing, deserved to die. Just saying. Okay. Then we had him as Stan Lesseter the sportscaster, I believe, in Deadline for Murder, season three, episode seven. In this episode, he plays Earl Browder, a CIA agent. They really didn't say what federal agency he worked for, but this is his last Murder, She Wrote episode. So let's get into the cast. So we have Celia James, Johnny Wheeler, Sugarman, 
Detective Lieutenant Lou Brickman, Bill Boyle, Marge Brickman, Earl Broward, Hastings, Mona, Maria, and President Ruiz. We also have like a Palo and some other people. Yeah. So <laughs> these are the names you'll hear. So we start with an introduction from Jessica and she is reminded when she sees this little dog running wild. Okay. I don't see a collar the first. I don't see an owner looking for this dog. It looks a little unkempt. I'm like, y'all just have, did the dog get too big? And it's a small dog. Did the dog, was it no longer cute? And y'all just let it loose in Cabot Cove? I don't know. I'm concerned. But it reminded her that she owes a letter to one of her good friends. She has a bunch of friends, right? And she tells us about Bill Boyle, who is a linebacker for one of the black and blue divisions of the NFL. I have no idea what that means. If you know what that means, please let me know what that means. <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't, I, I don't know. Is that supposed to be the team's colors? I, I don't know. Okay. Is that a joke? I, I just, I don't know. So she says for 35 years, football was all that Bill knew. And he did it very well until his knees let him down. And then he somehow got into the private eye business, but he's not very good at that until he met Jack. And this is how we then start the episode. So we open up at Los Angeles airport. So I'm assuming it's, he's in Los Angeles and it's an airport. So I'm assuming that it's LAX. And this is Johnny Wheeler who we're meeting. And he appears to be blind. And Jack, who we learn is the name of his poodle, full grown poodle, right? Is lead is his guide dog, allegedly. So he's being followed by two men. Okay, we have a person we learn who's later, his name is Paolo. And the other one, I'm going to call him Mullet Man because the mullet, the mulet, okay, he has sported in 1989, okay? The year of our Lord, 1989, the... When I tell you the amount of hairspray, okay, they, hair and makeup, now he came to, he came to work like that because hair and makeup wasn't going to spend all that time on his hair and not uh, Dame Angela Lansbury, okay? Her hair was well put together. They got to spend their time on the stars, okay? And Ken, he, he a little light up top, so they didn't have to spend a lot of time on his, but this guy came to work and he, he had to spray that the ozone layer has a hole in it because of the hairspray he used on his mullet. Okay. Anyway, so they're following Johnny and Johnny gets directed to the bathroom. And while he's there washing his hands, the two men come in and Mr. Mullet, he has a switchblade. So he clicks the switchblade, the blade pops out and Johnny hears this. Now, Johnny is not blind. This is a cover. So he's seeing all of this in the mirror, but they don't. Well, they know he's not blind, too. Like, they they know he's not blind. But 
Anyway, so Johnny then whistles, which is an alert to Jack to attack. So Jack attacks <laughs> the other person, Palo, while Johnny then goes after Mullet Man, who has the switchblade. So between Jack and Johnny, they subdue the two men. And Johnny and Jack run out the bathroom. Johnny then encounters two police officers and is like, hey, you need to check the bathroom. There's two guys in there. And I think there's some shady business going on. So the two police officers go in there and Johnny heads out of the airport. The next scene, we're at Bill's office and he's there with his accountant. Perhaps his accountant is Hastings. I'm, I'm going to guess that's his name. I don't know what his accountant's name is. And so he's like, well, the good thing is you don't have to pay any federal or state taxes. The bad news is you're broke. And if you didn't have your NFL pension, you would be on food stamps. So I'm wondering how much his NFL pension is, because you got to remember, they weren't making like the tens of millions of dollars back in the 80s that they make now, but it was still a lot of money in the 80s. So... And clearly, if he was involved with football for 35 years, I'm going to guess, let's say he started at 10, okay? Let's say he started in like the Pee Wee League or something like that at 10, okay? That would mean he is 45, which would mean that he retired. We find out he retired five years ago. So he retired at 40. Now he was not a quarterback. So he wasn't out here avoiding being hit by large men. He was apparently someone who was knocking down football, other football players, defensive. And um, yeah, so I'm like, I don't understand how you're in your, that you made it to 40 and your body's getting jacked up like that. And then your knee goes out. And that's when you retire at 40. Now, basketball, you could keep it pushing. But football, where you're actually the one who's making physical contact with the other players. It's not like, you, it's not like you're the kicker. Now, the kicker, I'm sure you could probably do that till you're 75, as long as things working right. You, you kick and you go right on back, okay, to the sidelines, collect that check, right? But he was a player. It wasn't even like he was a bench warmer or anything like that. Like, he is famous. He is called Big Bad Bill Boyle, all right? He out here, he's like, <laughs> they were like, you were one of the monsters out there. He was out there checking men, and taking names, okay? Just keeping the quarterback free and clear to make those touchdowns, okay? Clearly, I don't know a lot about football, but that part (laughs) that he is out here tackling till he's 40, that, that math ain't mathing, but maybe, but maybe that's possible. I don't know. Maybe that's possible. It don't seem possible to me. 
in if you're doing the full contact of the contact but okay so 35 years 35 years so he has an NFL pension but apparently he doesn't even <laughs> his accountant is like the only reason I do this okay is because I have a great respect for you as you know a famous football player and that you can get me tickets time to time to watch a football game and my and he, this man has six sons okay the accountant has six sons so i'm like wait a second um you're getting 7 to 8 tickets now we don't know if he has any daughters but clearly he ain't taking the daughters to the football game because he he was not concerned about that. So you're you're getting seven for you and your six sons or eight. Maybe you take your wife or a friend. Football tickets, okay? In exchange for, <laughs> for doing his taxes? Okay, you know what? A barter system is a barter system. But I, well, he must get them for free. Or super discounted bill because I'm like, that's a lot of tickets. But I guess it's worth it, whatever his fee would have been. It's still cheaper for him to, for Bill to give him these tickets. So the accountant leaves and Celia, Bill's girlfriend or uh, female friend, we don't, we got some questions about their relationship later on and you'll see why. She calls and she wants to confirm their dinner tomorrow night. And Bill is like, why don't we have a quiet dinner at your place? We just found out he broke. Brokety broke. Okay, he got $800 suits, but he's brokety broke. For real. He on credit with everybody. And she's like, no, we're going out. I have, she's in real estate. I have a client who's interested in a $6 million property. We got to go. You got to look good okay now clearly if he's wearing $800 suits she ain't got to tell him twice about how to dress appropriately she was like shine your shoes and come with a smile okay I'm gonna need you to be cute side you know I'm gonna need you to be some eye candy okay but not in the sexual way but in you're a celebrity way okay because I got the sex appeal here and I'm the one who's doing the paperwork and gonna get the um Commission check, okay? I'm about to make hundreds of thousands of dollars off of this. I'm gonna need you to come in looking professional. You know how to do it, okay? I don't have to question that. So he's like, I don't like this Sorrentino person and his wife is boring. And Celia's like, you don't have an option, okay? The last two dates we had were quiet dinners at my house. I want to go out and I need this business, okay? So he reluctantly agrees. So Celia reiterates the fact that she is tired of eating in greasy dives that smell like locker rooms. And Bill is like, well, the, was it the tailgate? The hot, whatever the name of the restaurant is, which sounds like a bar. He's like, it serves a high class clientele she was like yeah okay whatever 7 p.m tomorrow shine your shoes and be here okay we're going to dinner 
So he hangs up with her and Johnny and Jack appear at his door. And we find out that it's been five years since Bill and Johnny have seen each other. I'm guessing that they played football together. And when Jack, Jack, goodness, when Bill, (laughs) when Bill retired from football, he, you know, it was probably just, as opposed to seeing each other, it was probably like phone calls and, and things like that. So he then, Johnny introduces Bill to Jack. Okay. And we find out that Bill was married but he separated from Penny. Now, I don't know if he's divorced or what, but homegirl went to Kansas and has started a new life out there. And he admits that he was a lousy husband. We find out that Johnny is still not married. Okay, the forever bachelor and loving it. And he's like, especially not with this dog. Um, uh, we don't know that it's CIA trained. <laughs> but I'm like, you have a poodle. Like, maybe he means that, uh, other that women assume that he has a wife because he and that the wife got the poodle, but he's just out being a good husband and walking the dog. So that's what I'm going to conclude that people don't realize that that's his dog and he's a bachelor as opposed to, oh, that must be his wife or his girlfriend's dog and he's helping out. How nice and keep it pushing because he's in a relationship. So Johnny is like, the reason I'm here is because I need you to watch Jack. Okay. I have an appointment. I can't take him. Um, so I need you to watch him. And Bill is like, I have a surveillance job at 2 PM. Johnny's like, I'll be back before two. Thanks guy. And he like runs out. So, (laughs) so Bill is in the office. Like he's coming back. I guess they've gone out and he, they come back to the office and he's talking to Jack like a person. He's like, I have nothing against you. Okay. I have nothing against you. Okay. You seem cool. All right. But I don't, I'm embarrassed to be seen with you in public. Okay. But I'm like, you, okay. It's a, it's a dog. Like, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> Now I saw somebody and it was like the cutest thing. He was walking his very small, like toy sized dog across the street. And so he's jogging across the street and the dog is trying to keep up, but the legs are so small <laughs> and he's kind of tilted to the side trying to run. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have, well, also it's 2023. Okay. Um, I would not have thought anything other than, Oh my gosh, that is so cute. As opposed to like, oh, why does he have that female-esque dog? What's, what's his deal? I Maybe they were doing, I'm sure they, there were people who did that in 1989, which is questioning sexuality and stuff like that because of a dog, okay? Because of the type of dog you had. Anyway. So once they return to the office, um, it's ransacked, okay? Papers everywhere. All of the pictures are tilted, which I don't understand why the picture's tilted. Because either you're looking behind them for something, so you take them off the wall 
you just tilted them to the side like that <laughs> actually doesn't make sense that the all of the framed pictures are tilted on the wall i'm like the papers on the floor were enough and things turned over were enough to let us know that it was ransacked but why are all the framed pictures tilted to the side okay <laughs> Because apparently what they were looking for, spoiler, is a film, a reel of film, okay? Not the big circular one, but kind of like the microfilm size, I'm assuming, that type of film. So if, a, if something is flush against the wall, why would you think that anything was behind it? I guess maybe they were tilting it to see if there was a safe or something, behind the frames that's what I'm gonna have to guess that they they thought like maybe there was a hidden compartment behind them so they tilted them to the side and I don't know why the frames didn't swing back into place but whatever so Jack finds a brown paper bag that apparently has Bill's lunch in it and this is a callback to mirror mirror on the wall because the sandwich, that looks like a wish sandwich. Like you wish it had something in it. It looked like two pieces of bread <laughs> put together. It didn't look like there was anything in it, to be honest. But he says, it's a liverwurst and mayonnaise sandwich. Okay. Now we remember in Mirror Mirror on the Wall, right, that Hank Shipton's son, Bobby, came into the bathroom when Hank was trying to give himself his insulin shot. And he was two inches from this man's face with a liverwurst and Swiss sandwich that smelled terrible. It looked like it stank, okay? <laughs> like it stank. And probably didn't even taste good, but you know, he was housing that sandwich. So now this one <laughs> looks like a wish sandwich, but allegedly <laughs> it had liverwurst again and mayo, no Swiss on this one. So the dog is hungry. Clearly. I'm like, you ain't feed this dog at all. You had him for several hours. Okay. Several hours. <laughs> You're like, okay, here's a bit of sandwich. So he gives him the other half of the sandwich. So as he's sitting there with the dog, a woman walks in and she introduces herself as Maria Wheeler, Johnny's wife, and that he got tied up with something and sent her there to get the dog, right? So she picks up the leash and she's putting the, the leash onto the collar. And Bill says, well, then you don't mind if I, do you mind if I make a call? And she was like, oh, we're kind of in a rush. And he's like, oh, I was just going to call my brother-in-law. He's a lieutenant with the LAPD. Um, he's not really, you know, dealing with dog nappings, but I'm sure he'll have some questions. Um, considering, now he called the dog Marmalade. Okay, <laughs> the disrespect. And she was like, yeah, Marmalade. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the dog Marmalade. Clearly the dog's name is not Marmalade. So... She then pulls out a gun. She was like, oh, I have ID and pulls out a gun. 
And at this point, Jack pulls her by the leash. She's holding onto the leash. Jack starts to run off, which throws her off balance. And Bill is able to overpower her and get the gun. But as they're struggling, because he wants to hold onto her so he can call the police and have her arrested, some old woman with a cane sees this, assumes that he's attacking her, even though he's the person who has an office in this building. This lady's like, a woman's not safe anywhere. She's hitting him with her cane. He, like, it lets go of Maria, who runs off, but he has the gun. So at least that. So he goes running after her, misses her on the elevator. And coming up the stairs, the door opens and it's Lou, his, we find out later, his ex-brother-in-law, who is the lieutenant with the LAPD. So, oh, taking a step back, before they came back to the office to find it ransacked, uh, Johnny did not come back by two, clearly. And Bill had to take Jack with him on the surveillance. And Jack and a Doberman pincher get into uh, an argument, okay? They're, now, the Doberman started it, or Rottweiler, I don't know, one of them dogs, um, that are angry, <laughs> like, they're just very fit and angry. Okay. <laughs> and so Jack is like, I don't, you got the wrong one. You ain't going to be out here just trying to call me out. Okay. I am CIA trained. All right. Okay. So they're, they're barking back and forth and it's a, a pretty woman who is, who has the aggressive dog. And she's like, sir, get control of your dog. He's like, first of all, it's not my dog. I'm dog sitting. Why? It, it does not matter. Okay. No one's questioning your sexuality, but we're looking at this in 2023 and not in 1989. So it, it was important for him to say this, right? And <laughs> she's, he's like, and for two, your dog started it. So she tells her dog to sit and he tells Jack to sit and Jack does sit and they stop barking at each other. They're fine with it. So at this point, there's some chit chat. And then Bill sees the person he's supposed to be taking photos of. He goes to take photos. He does not take the lens cap off of the camera. So he don't get none of those shots. A waste of it. I'm like, oh, so he really is terrible at being a private investigator. You can't even take pictures photos why was the lens cap on as you were getting into position like I understand you were distracted but sir sir okay (laughs) that's basic because the the woman comes up and she's like what are you doing he's like oh I'm taking pictures of the site to do that she was like well I think you need to have the um the lens cap off in order to take the photos you have a great day. <laughs> I'm like, did you not notice that it was black? Like, I guess depending on how the camera was set up, where the viewfinder was and everything. But I'm like, you didn't notice that the lens cap was on? He is terrible at this. Anyway, so the reason that Lou has come to Bill's office is because there's a man in the hospital, 6263, um, black hair, black mustache, 
who has two gunshot wounds to the chest, but he's still alive. But all he'll say, all he said was Bill Boyle. And that description describes Johnny. So Lou takes Bill to the hospital. When they get there, they go into Johnny's room and Johnny is on the floor. The wounds are still actively bleeding. Okay, he was alive because he's in a hospital room, in a hospital gown. And you can see the blood seeping through from the two bullet wounds. But he's dead on the floor, clutching three intravenous or IV bags. Okay, now we never find out why he died. Now, I don't mean we don't find out why he was shot. Okay. We don't find out why he was alive in that hospital and then got out of bed somehow, got the three IVs, and then died on the floor. Now, it could have been he was not going to survive the gunshot wounds. He was in the hospital. He was in the hospital room. And I'm guessing he couldn't have been, he couldn't have gone to surgery at this point because you can see the two bullet holes bleeding, right? It, they would have been covered up and gauzed and all of that if they had surgically removed them. So it didn't appear that he had surgical level gauze and um, bandages. So maybe he was like, I'm not going to make it and got out of bed with the, his last bit of strength and that it wasn't an intervening action meaning that the killers didn't find out he was in the hospital, go and like smother him or something like that. I think I'm going to guess that he knew he was dying and needed to send a message once Bill got there, knowing that he had asked for him and everybody knows who Bill Boyle is. Okay, so it wasn't like John Smith and maybe they didn't find the right one and you died and that person didn't get the message. Everybody knows who Bill Boyle is. And it just happens that his former brother-in-law is a lieutenant with the LAPD. So he was definitely going to get the message. So I'm assuming that he, that Johnny knew he was dying and in his, with his last bit of energy, he wanted to send a message to Bill um, about the assignment that Johnny was on. An assignment that Bill had no idea that... Johnny was working for anybody other than an oil company. And I don't know what the oil company's issues may have been <laughs> that you out here getting shot for that. So they, so of course, Bill identifies Johnny and now he's stuck with Jack and now trying to figure out what happened to Johnny, like who killed him. So Bill goes to dinner at Lou's house. So you have Lou, who's his former brother-in-law, which means that Marge, his wife, is Bill's former sister-in-law and the sister to his former wife. So they are divorced. Yeah, yeah. So uh, (laughs) that's not awkward. So he goes, he's, they finished eating and <laughs> Lou and his family, the Brickmans have a dog named Blitzkrieg. 
Okay. Blitz for short. And they put Blitz in the garage because Bill is there with Jack. And Jack is sitting there minding his own business right outside the door of the garage. Like, so in the house, right? And just looking at the door, like, I wish you would. You you don't even know. I suggest you calm down. Now, Jack ain't say nothing, all right? The kids are sitting there like, why is Blitz in the garage and not this dog? And the mom is like, because Bill is a guest here, okay? Okay. So clearly the dogs aren't getting along or Blitz is just a terror with other dogs. So they know, and they're like, we don't want a situation. So we just going to put him in the garage. I'm like, y'all ain't throw a toy or nothing out there, but I guess he smells another dog. And he's just like, I need to find out what's going on. I need to protect my family. Why y'all not let me in here? Okay. I got questions. Okay, (laughs) I got questions to this strange dog in the house because clearly he knows Bill. So it's not about Bill being in the house. So Marge is like, you know, um, Penny got a dog, you know, so it's just her and the dog in that big house alone in Kansas. And Lou is like, Marge. (laughs) She was like, what? I'm just saying, like, maybe he wants to know. I'm just saying, like, dude, they're divorced. He does not care. Okay. So after, so the kids are complaining about, having to hear Blitz throw a fit. So Lou is like, go do your homework. (laughs) And the son's like, it's August. We don't have homework. So he's like, well, go watch TV. The only thing on is the news. Go watch the news. You'll learn something. So they they go on their way. Marge is like, I'm going to go with the kids because they need me. And walks up. I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, listen, it didn't work out with your sister. But your husband got a job to do, okay? He got a murder that he needs to solve. And Bill is connected to this, okay? Knows the the victim. So I'm gonna need you to cool your jets down. And I need you to go out there and calm that dog down because that's not good for Blitz, okay? I need you to go out there and calm that dog down. That's what those kids needed to go to do. Go in the garage and play with him so he can be distracted and not hitting his head up against the door or jump, uh, clearly he's jumping up against the door, Go out there and play with him. Shoot. Quiet that dog down. The the dog's blood pressure is up. The kids are messed up. Go and play with the dog. That's what he should have told them to do. Go out there, play with the dog, get him calm and distracted so everybody can be happy. All right? Do that. But once everybody leaves, it's just Lou and Bill. And we find out that... Bill doesn't know what the deal is with Johnny. He's like, he told me that he had just come in from Puerto Rico and he had an appointment that he couldn't take Jack with him to. And Lou says, well, there is no record of anybody by the name of Johnny Wheeler coming in on any flight from Puerto Rico to Los Angeles. Maybe he used another name to which Bill is like, there's no way that he's involved with something shady. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, why would he use a, an assumed name? And Lou says, well, okay. A stewardess recognizes him as 
a man named Forrester, but couldn't be 100% sure because that person was wearing dark glasses and posing as a blind man. But she recognized the dog, positively recognized the dog. So your friend Johnny was into something. So the next scene we have, Jack and Bill in the car. Okay, Bill is driving with one hand and has literally has his arm wrapped around <laughs> Jack. And he's like, I'm gonna get rid of you as soon as I can, sir. You love that dog already. Like y'all are friends. Y'all are the best of friends at this point. He is sitting <laughs> right next to you, literally hugged up and like starts to lick his face. He's like, oh, come on now, come on now. Like, y'all are best friends. <laughs> You're like in a drive up movie hugged up with this dog. Okay. Just like, I guess since he don't have a dog seatbelt, he's like, okay, I'll just hold on to you. <laughs> just for real, got his arm around this dog. Just like, we're besties. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so he gets back to his apartment building and there are four women in the hot tub. Apparently they are all airline stewardesses and they're like, hey, Bill, there's plenty of room for you. We haven't seen you in a while. Come on, get in. And they're hitting on him. Now, mind you, he has a date the next night with Celia. Not for nothing, not for nothing. Okay, Celia is much prettier than those four. Not only that, not only that, okay? She it, she got her own large office and she sells real estate. She's doing amazing, okay? Sir, don't mess that up, okay? Do not mess that up, okay? He probably will, but okay. <laughs> So he uh, wanted them all up in his face, like all up in his face. And Jack comes up and like licks her face. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, what's that? And sees it's a dog and not like some creeper. And they're like, oh my God, the dog is so cute. Like, is that your dog? Oh my gosh. And he's like, I'm dog sitting. And they're like, oh my gosh, no, it's so cute. And I'm like, oh, now Jack is out here cock blocking, but he's also a good friend. Cause he's like, you about to mess up this situation with Celia. Now she willing to deal with your broke behind. You need, <laughs> you need to make sure you keep it tight and keep it right. All right. Don't be out here with these stewardesses who going to be flying off in 24 hours or less. When you got a whole, like, she looked like she an executive at that real estate firm. Listen, and she beautiful? And she willing to deal with you being broke? Just famous, but broke? Sir, don't mess that up. Don't fumble that. Don't fumble that, okay? So, as they get to Bill's apartment alone, him, well, he's not alone. He's with Jack. Bill and Jack approach Bill's door. He's going to put the key in and Jack stops and is barking. And Bill is like, be quiet. You're going to get me in trouble. You're going to get me evicted. Da, da, da. 
Now, as an observer, I'm like, clearly he's alerting you that there's something going on in that apartment. But Bill ain't, he's not a good private eye. So he ain't catching that. He ain't law enforcement. Okay. He ain't got that spirit about him. So he's not catching. He's not picking up what Jack is putting down. Okay. So he opens the door, flips on the light, and he's attacked by three guys. Now, Jack sees this happening and Mr. Mullet, I think that's who the main person is, right? Is it? No, I think it's Paolo, Mr. Mullet, and then there's somebody else. There's a third person. I don't know who that third person is. But anyway, one is, they're all wearing ski masks. That's why I don't know who was who. I just know that those two were definitely there. One of them is yelling at Bill, like, give me, you know, basically, we know that Johnny gave you something. We've looked all over your apartment and your office and we can't find it. We know you have it. Give it to us. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So two of them are holding him back and the third one is yelling at him. Now, Jack attacks <laughs> the, the one who was yelling at him. And Bill, from his football experience, is able to shake off and like basically subdue the other two. The one that Jack attacked, Jack gets off of him. Bill grabs him and like literally throws him out of his window where he goes flying out and falls into the pool. Okay. Okay. We just going to let that go. The impossibilities of that, but okay, cool. So, and he's on the fourth floor. His his apartment is like 403 or something like that. So he's on the fourth floor. And he throws this guy out in such a way that he completely misses the railing on the balcony, okay? Flies right over that in, directly into the pool, okay? And a second guy voluntarily goes, gets on top of the railing and jumps into the pool as well, okay? The third one runs out the front door. Jack runs after him. Bill comes back around and he's like, Jack, come back here. And Jack stops his running and comes back and looks in at Bill, who's just like <laughs> barely making it. <laughs> I guess he messed his knee up in this whole transaction here. And it appears that they wanted the dog as well. Okay. And so Bill is like, why do they want you? What's going on with this? Now, you don't see him attack people. You see him warn you that there was something amiss, okay? Now, he, and the fact that Jack knew that Maria was not on the up and up, right? But he gave you time to figure it out before he made his move. He out here strategizing, this dog doing strategy, okay? Why do you think they want him? <laughs> But <laughs> they wouldn't know how to use them anyway. So, and I don't think he would go with them. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe if they had a stake or something, he could be convinced. I, I don't know. I, I think he might have been able to persuade him to go onto the wrong side of the rail. So the next scene, we're at the police department. And basically, Bill is trying to figure out, like, what's the deal with Jack? So he's at, like, the police dog training facility or vet something to that effect 
And the doctor's like, this isn't a police dog. We're not going to do an x-ray. Oh, do you want a cut in color or a wash and set? Whatever he said. And Bill is like, I just want an x-ray. Like there's something up with this dog and I'm trying to figure it out. And the doctor was like, I don't care if the fact that your brother, your ex-brother-in-law is a lieutenant here. I'm not going to do it. So then Lou walks in. He was like, yeah, well, I think this piece of paper says that you need to do it. So now the doctor is stuck on stupid. He's like, oh, okay. So they do it, but nothing comes up. They check the collar. They did an x-ray. There's nothing extraordinary that's apparent with Jack. So now Bill is determined to find out why people kill Johnny and why they want Jack. So Lou is like, listen, why don't you leave the dog here in police custody with the canine units and where he'll be safe. And Bill is like, he would be safer with me, basically. So the next scene, we are back at Bill's office and we meet Mona. Now she was his secretary who left to get a job that actually paid money regularly because he owed her a lot of money. And the thing is she needed to eat. But now she's back and she was on the phone where they were threatening to repossess the office furniture. And she was like, well, Mr. Boyle is out of town for the next several weeks. So if you want to come get this furniture, come and repossess it. Like, I don't care what you're going to do. Do it. Do it. Okay. (laughs) So... Bill comes in, he sees that he, you know, once she gets off the phone, he's like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. What, I'm glad you came back. I really needed you. What happened with the job at the ad agency? And she's like, well, I told them how I really felt about one of their clients. And apparently that was a problem. Here, it wouldn't have been a problem. So (laughs) he's like, true, true. So as they're starting to clean up the office, Um, she says something that causes Bill to have an epiphany. He said they found two claim checks for bags. So they found two bags. But when Johnny died, he was clutching three IV bags, three bags. He was signaling that there was a third bag. He must have destroyed that claim ticket. I have to go find this bag. So he goes to back to the airport Well, he goes to the airport to baggage claim to the office for like lost luggage and stuff like that. So he asked the clerk, he says, I'm looking for a bag. He asked for the claim check. He's like, I don't have it, but I can tell you the flight number. He's like, no claim check, no bag. So Bill stoops down, tells Jack to find the bag. Jack runs off. The clerk is like, Hey, hey, you can't have your dog just running around here. Like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He got scared or whatever. Um, Yeah, I'll go get him. And the clerk's like, no, I'll get him. And so Bill is like, well, okay. Well, he hasn't been, he's been sick lately. It might be a touch of the rabies, you know, but and he, he tends to bite people. But, you know, a little nip ain't going to do nothing. Ain't going to be harmful, right? If he got the, a touch of the rabies. So <laughs> the clerk was like, you go get him then. So he goes back. They find a case that has a fishing rod in it. 
And Bill pulls the fishing rod out. The clerk comes around. He's like, hey, you can't do that. And Jack turns to him and growls. And the clerk, oh, and then runs off. <laughs> okay. I'm not mad at that. They got, they got to do what they got to do. Okay. So apparently attached to or hidden in the fishing rod and reel was a film reel. Okay. So the next scene we're at, I guess the police department and they have an interpreter, Mrs. Freeze, who, or Freeze, one of the two, who is a lip reader and she is reading the lips of the person on the film that they can see. And apparently this is Steve Bowman. We don't ever meet him for real, but he is apparently ordering an assassination to occur on August 25th, because we're in August, we find that out earlier. So August 25th at 7.30. And then Bowman sees the camera and him and the person he's paying hop into their car, hop into the same car and drive off. So they never see the face of the assassin who is being paid or the person who he's paying to set up the assassination. So once the film is over, we meet Browder, okay, Mr. Browder, and we find out that both he and Johnny work for the federal government and that Johnny was an agent of some sort, in addition to working for the oil company, right? And Browder tells us that Bowman is an international gangster and that he was on flight 21. That was the lip reader said flight 21. And that first stop is in Los Angeles. The second is San Francisco. So they're going to also alert San Francisco that perhaps the person stayed on the flight and went to San Francisco as their final destination. Now I would doubt that because Johnny got off in Los Angeles. So it seems like if he got off in Los Angeles, that the assassination was going to occur in LA. So at this point, Browder is like, well, if there was an assassination either here or in San Francisco at 7.30 this morning, we would have heard of it. Since we didn't, we're going to have to assume that it's 7.30 p.m. today because today is the 25th, right? So he then thanks Bill for his help and lets him go on his way. But as Bill is leaving, the desk officer is like, uh, sir, Bill, aren't you forgetting something? And Jack is just sitting there next to the desk, just like, I know you weren't just going to, you didn't think that you was going to just leave me here? <laughs> we together. <laughs> we in a relationship now. You owe me now. <laughs> You can't just be walking off. You think it's done? No, <laughs> you ain't solved the case yet. So the next scene, we're at an undisclosed apartment and these are the assassins that are preparing for the assassination that evening. And they are placing a gun into a film camera. So like a video filming camera that you, they used to have um, 
for taping interviews or press conferences. Okay. Those large cameras, they have, I think they've gotten bigger. Okay. (laughs) I've seen a press conference like behind the scenes and the cameras are that big. Now they're bigger. Okay. Probably, you know, you think with more technology, things get smaller. Not necessarily. Okay. A lot of things do, but apparently professional film cameras, even the ones that are mobile and on the go for press conferences that can occur anywhere are still rather large. So there's a knock on the door and it's Maria. So the woman who pretended to be Wheeler's wife, Johnny Wheeler's wife, and get Jack, she is there and she's like, you know, we can't do this tonight, okay? We haven't found the film. And so Paolo is like, no, they probably haven't found it either. You know it has to happen tonight and you know why. We'll find out later. But it's like, you know why it has to go down tonight. So we're over at Bill's apartment complex. He has parked his car and he's walking into the building. And Sugarman, the property manager, I'm guessing, superintendent, he comes up to him and he's like, what's the deal? There were you and three guys messed up the apartment and you destroyed a $400 window. And Bill is like, I'll pay for it. Like, well, what? He's like, sir, you're broke. Like what money you got that you're going to pay $400 for this? But he's like, listen, this is Sugarman. The owners let you stay here free of charge. A whole, and that's a big apartment for free. Because they think you're a celebrity or something, but they want something in exchange. They want to see you around here. And apparently they have like events, like special nights and stuff at the uh, complex. And he hasn't been to the last few. And he's like, oh, I got tied up or whatever, whatever. He's like, you need to show up to these things, okay? You're five years out from the league. All right. And you're going to be old news in a second. So you better get to the shucking and the jiving and the smiling and the shaking hands and kissing babies up in here so that the owners have a reason to keep you here for free. So he then says, um, mm, there's no pets. So what's, what's the deal? And he's like, I'm just dog sitting. He's not my dog. And Sugarman is like, well, you keep this up and it's going to be a revoderci. And so then Jack attacks the, no, Jack starts barking, right? And Bill is like, Jack, sit. And so Jack stops. And then Bill says, well, you know what? This place is crappy anyway. You keep acting like this and I'll be the one saying a revoderci, right? And at this, Jack starts biting the leg of Sugarman, right? Well, at his pants, he might've got some meat too. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God. So he's like, Jack, stop. So Jack stops and Sugarman walks off. He's like, you better deal with this. You better get rid of that dog. So clearly a Derche is an attack word for Jack. Okay, learn something new today. Learn something new. So they're in the apartment and Bill proceeds to uh, scramble some eggs. Okay, cook up some scrambled eggs for 
uh, Jack, uh, can dogs eat eggs? Like, I, is that okay? I guess. I guess. I don't, listen, I don't know. But <laughs> now dogs eat people food, I guess. I don't know. I was just like, eggs? I feel, I'm concerned. But okay, y'all do you. So he's like, I'm going to have to leave you home tonight because I got a hot date. Okay. Nothing personal, but I can't, we can't do that. Okay. We're going to be at a fancy restaurant. I don't want to deal with these people, but I have some sort of care for Celia. Okay. So you're going to have to stay here. Okay. So then Celia calls and she's like, the dinner is off. Um, Sorrentino was arrested by the feds for tax evasion. So there's not going to be a sale, okay, uh, of that $6 million property because he's going to prison, to federal prison. So Bill is like, oh, that's terrible. Like on the one hand, like that you lost out on this commission after putting this work in. But on the other hand, like, I don't want to eat with those people anyway. So yes. And so she's like, so he says, well, you know what? How about we have an in-home date? We get some Chinese food. We cuddle up to a movie. We ignore the movie, dot, dot, dot. She's like, (laughs) she's smiling about it. She's like, all right, how you doing, boo? Yes. This is before Netflix and chill, you know? So she's like, sounds good. All right, be in my place at 7.30. She hangs up and as Bill is getting ready to leave, Jack starts to throw a fit. He starts barking and he won't quiet down. So Bill is like, fine, I'm going to find someone to watch you because clearly you don't want to be here and you about to get me evicted doing all this barking. And tomorrow we're going to find you a new home because this ain't working for me. And I'm sitting here like, Jack has a job to do. Do you not realize that? Because Jack and Johnny were a team. Johnny had an assignment to stop this assassination. Therefore, Jack had an assignment to stop this assassination. Now, Jack know he is on assignment. And you out here dilly-dallying and getting him off course. Like, he's like... Okay, boo, you can't be going out on a date at 7.30. At 7.30, a man will be killed. Okay, killed, assassinated. So like, I need you to get on task and get me to where the assassination is supposed to happen. Like you're supposed to figure this out. So anyway, so they go to a bar and we meet Cricket, the bartender. And he's like, I don't have a need for a guard dog. Like, you can't have that dog in here. Like, I'm not watching your dog, whatever, whatever. So Bill is trying to figure out what to do. And Jack is like, I'm still hungry. I don't know what the deal was. was You ain't give me no meat or nothing. I understand the eggs are protein. But in the wild, forget that I'm a poodle. Okay. And I don't look like a wolf. All right. My ancestors. But... I'm still hungry. (laughs) So he puts a bowl of peanuts down. People eat out of that bowl. And now you you know they don't wash that right. You know they ain't gonna wash that right. 
I don't care if you say a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's. If I found out that I was eating peanuts, okay, cocktail nuts, out of a bowl that a dog was eating out of on the floor, I would sue that place. <laughs> I cannot even, because you know they ain't going to wash it, right? Assuming that he, assuming that Jack eats all the nuts, what if he doesn't? What if they pick that up and put that on the table and some drunk eats out of it? That's gross. I don't want to eat after your dog. That, that, no, no, that, that's disgusting. Point blank period. Okay. No, I don't know that dog. I don't, I, like, I don't eat after people. Like, so what makes you think I'm going to be like, oh, okay, this is fine. So anyway, so the news is on and Bill starts to watch it. And we find out that President Ruiz is coming to, has come to America for the first time. He is the rebel leader that overtook a dictator last year and that he is here as a guest of the Raiders, which is the Los Angeles football team, the Los Angeles Raiders, right? Right. Yeah. They were playing. Yeah. Okay. So he was a guest of the Raiders. And so he is a big fan of football. He, I think he went to undergraduate school, college in the state where he played football on the team. Okay. And was very good at it. Apparently American football that is, and was very good at it. So as Bill is watching the news coverage, he sees a woman in a terrible blonde wig which is he recognizes as Maria, the woman who was pretending to be Wheeler's wife. So he gets up, he uses the payphone to call the police precinct asking for Lou. Now, Lou is not there, but they tell him once he says, I'm Bill Boyle, his brother, his former brother-in-law. Well, he says brother-in-law because I'm like, people don't need to know your business like that. Just call him your brother-in-law because honestly, it's just easier that way. But he didn't even need to use that. They were like, Bill Boyle, the real Bill Boyle, the real one, big bad, the big bad. And so he's like, yes, that's me. Okay, please. I need to speak with Lou. He's not there. Where is he? Oh, he's at the Coliseum. Oh, he's at the, uh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You can't get an autograph over the phone. Get off the phone. Tell me what I need to know and get off the phone. So. Bill gets Jack, they get into the car, they speed down to the stadium. They get there, he, he's like almost hitting people. He's just beeping his horn, just going full speed. Just pulls over, him and Jack get out of the car. They go up to the ticket window, to the gate. And it's a police officer standing there like, hey, you can't come in. He was like, wait, Bill, Bill Boyle? Hey, how you doing? And he's like, yeah, great, great. Um, where's Lou Brickman? And he's like, oh, he's upstairs. He was like, okay, great. It was like, I need to see him. I was like, oh, well, I'll call. He was like, I ain't got time for that. So he pushes past and runs off. So those two officers like run after him and three additional officers are there as well because there's extra security because President Ruiz, a foreign leader, is visiting, right? So he gets upstairs and 
all five officers basically are trying to detain him and he's shaking them off like it's nothing. And Lou comes up and he's like, break it up, break it up, break it up. What's going on? And so Bill is like, the woman who pretended to be Johnny's wife is here impersonating a reporter. And so Lou is like, it is Ruiz who Browder was right. It is Ruiz who's the target. And he's about to do a press conference. That's how they're going to get him. So they go running off to the press room. Okay, so President Ruiz is in a separate room watching the game. So they go to where the press is. And when they get in there, Maria is talking to Mullet Man and said, and Mullet Man is like, oh, we've been caught, right? We've been spotted or whatever. So Maria tries to escape. Lou catches her. Another guy who we've never met before, but apparently is part of this. He goes the other direction and a uniform officer gets him. Mullet man grabs the camera, which has the gun in it, fires a shot somehow, some way, okay, through the lens out here, okay? I thought they were just putting it in there so that they could pop it open and get have the gun, but they turned the whole camera into a gun. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, we're just gonna leave that where it's at, okay? So Bill says, Arriva Derche Jack, and Jack runs over and attacks, grabs the arm, bites the arm of Mullet Man, right? And Bill is able to go over and wrestle him down and basically body slams him onto a table, knocking him out. So then, okay, Paolo is not in there, okay? Paolo is not the random guy that we ain't never met before. On the side, the guy looked like him a little bit, but heavier, okay? So we know it's not him. Like when you see him, you know, I've never seen this man before, but he's running. So he's clearly part of the conspiracy. But donde esta Paolo? Okay, where is Paolo? So Jack is then with Bill. Okay, Jack is the dog. Bill is then taken to see President Ruiz. And of course, Jack is with him. And we find out that President Ruiz is a big fan of big bad Bill Boyle. Okay. He is famous overseas. Okay. And so they go to meet him. The president thanks Bill and he tells him that exactly a year ago today, August 25th at 7 30 PM, the previous, the dictator that he overthrew took his own life. At that exact time. So now we know why Paolo, Maria, Mullet Man, and Rando all are plotting for the, and Bowman, I guess, whatever his deal was, why he was involved with this, we don't know. But that's why it had to happen at 7.30 p.m. on August 25th as a symbol of the now rebels, so the dictator's followers are now the rebels at this point of their them making a statement uh, by killing Ruiz at exactly a year to the date and time that their leader killed himself. Now I'm like, but he took his own life. What? 
how is that? You know what? That's their business. That That is their business. So while the president is speaking with Bill, okay, and talking about a little bit of football and, you know, all that good stuff, he's very excited. Jack starts to bark in the direction of a waiter. Now, when we see the waiter come in, we recognize him immediately as Paolo. And he has a, uh, a bucket that has a bottle of champagne in it. And he's over there, he's unwrapping the foil on top of the champagne bottle and he's sweating like nobody's business. So Bill is like, Jack, get it together. <laughs> Calm down. And Jack is still barking. So Bill finally looks up in the direction that Jack is barking and sees this guy. And Bill then looks at the clock. It's it's a few seconds. It's 30 seconds to 7.30. And the Impalo is looking at the clock, sweating, and then his eyes go to the clock. So at this point, we know that there's a situation, that there's another, a backup assassination plot going on. You know, it wasn't just the gun in the camera. There was also another avenue if that did not work. So Jack is sent to attack. I think Bill says Arrivederci again or something to that effect. Jack goes, he bites the arm of Paolo. Bill jumps on top of Paolo, grabbing the champagne bottle, the top of it, and holding it closed. Lou comes over he then puts pressure on it and and is holding it because apparently they had created a bomb in the champagne bottle, okay? So now the plot has stopped. Paolo has been stopped. The bomb has been secured. They're gonna call the bomb squad. That's handled, situated. Everyone is safe. They were also like, after the fact, they said that there was enough explosives in that bottle to clear that whole room out, including Paolo. But he was willing to die for the cause and be a martyr because that's how that works. So we find out as Bill is leaving with Jack and Browder that Johnny had no family, okay? And that Jack was trained to be an undercover officer, right? And there's too many attack codes that he's been trained since birth to obey that there's no way that they could leave him with a civilian family, which means that Jack would have to be laid to rest. And I don't mean retired, okay? So Bill is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. So Browder's like, mm, okay, seems like a you problem and gets in the car, okay? <laughs> Browder's like, I do not care. Like now Bill is not law enforcement. He's a private investigator, but obviously he has a bond with Jack. Jack is comfortable with him or comfortable enough with him that it'll be an easy transition. I'm like, is there training to retire? 
an attack dog like that? Like, can he, like, maybe he just wants to go to Florida and just lay on the beach, you know, and doesn't want someone to say seagull and now he got to attack somebody. But I'm wondering if, because no, because Sugarman was being aggressive. And so when Jack said Arrivederce, he attacked. Um, so I don't know if someone was not being a threat and was just minding their business, but he heard the attack code. Would he have attacked? I don't know. That's a good question. Like how good was the training? Like if there's not, because it could be said accidentally because obviously like in that conversation with Arrivederce, it was said just as a colloquialism, like it was just said not for the purpose of having Sugarman attacked, but a sug- but Sugarman was being aggressive. So I don't know, like can Jack sense, well, dogs can sense when there's tension and when there's not, but is that included in his training? Like if everything is copacetic, like, and you hear it and you hear the attack code that, you know, is there a way to double check? Like, do you growl? Like, is that what you meant? Okay. And then you say it again. And then now I attack, like, I don't know, but Bill is going to keep Jack for now until he can figure out how to rehome him someplace that he will be, uh, safe. Okay. But then Bill is trying to figure out like, what are the other attack codes? And my thing is Browder went before he left, he should have been like, here is the number to the person who trained Jack. Contact them, give them this passcode, password or whatever. So they know that you're okay to give this information to, and they will send you a list of the attack codes. So you know what words to avoid, because if someone else says it, he's going to bark and growl at them. If you say it, he's going to attack that person. So these are the words you should be aware of. So you're not out here getting arrested or ticketed and stuff because your dog is attacking people just randomly at your command and you just did not know it. So yeah, they kind of did not set him up for success. Now I could see that going forward, he would use Jack as a partner to protect him and would probably be more mindful when Jack alerts, like is barking and stuff like that to be observant of what's going on because Jack is alerting him to a danger or that there's another dog (laughs) that he may have beef with Um, (laughs) or who started stuff that he got to finish. But yeah, I'm sure that it would have worked out, but honestly, I don't know if this is a series that I would have watched. So that's that on that. Now, what are the three movies, two of which that came out in 1989 that had, and the one that came out in 1995, 
that had a law enforcement officer who was partnered with a dog? The answer is, or the answers are, I guess, one, Turner and Hooch. Okay. Now, that dog was gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was just, just spit and ugh. sorry. <laughs> sorry to that dog. Sorry to that dog. But of course, it starred Tom Hanks, your friend and mine, the wonderful Tom Hanks. That one was the one that made uh, a killing at the box office. Then we had the movie K-9. Didn't know this existed. Didn't know it existed. That starred James Belushi, right? And a dog. Okay. We don't know what the dog's name is because I never saw that movie. So didn't know it existed, but came out also in 1989. Then in 1995, we had Top Dog. That starred Chuck Norris. I'm going to just leave that there. Okay, so (laughs) just the array of lead actors. So you have Tom Hanks, everyone's cousin, uncle, nephew, dad. I don't know. Like everybody's everything, right? Tom Hanks. Then you have James Belushi. May he rest in peace. And then you have Chuck Norris, just just very different actors. So I'm sure a very different take on each of these movies. So that that's the answer to the that question from the beginning. The three movies, law enforcement officers partnered with a dog. So I'm just going to say this, right? Now, Jack works for the for a dog, okay? I would not have thought that <laughs> that poodle was named Jack, but hey, it works. And Bill was like, "I'm sure that's not your real name. It's probably like Pierre or Percival or something." <laughs> like, "Sir, because you assume that the dog is French because it's a poodle?" Right. So I think like Jack is fine because we have Jack Russell Terriers. But I remember, and I cackled at this, cackled, okay? So there was a screenshot from an interaction between an Airbnb host and a person who was renting the Airbnb. And I'm sure you've seen this before. If you haven't, it's, it's everywhere. And so... <laughs> The Airbnb host says, yeah, so I just want to give you a heads up that Kevin may come in your room and try to sleep in the bed with you. So the tenant is like, what? And so the homeowner is like, Kevin's a dog. And so the tenant's like, oh, okay. Now, when I tell you, It wasn't the interaction. It was the fact that that man or woman, that their dog's name was Kevin. And I feel like Kevin is one of those human names that's too human for a dog. You know what I mean? Like there are certain names that are just 
too human for a dog. And if you find out a dog's name is that, you're just like, why? <laughs> is the dog named after someone? Is that like your grandfather's name? Because like, I, I don't understand <laughs> why your dog's name is Kevin. Like, and also like that, obviously they should have prefaced our dog, Kevin. But you can't just say Kevin is going to sneak into bed with you and <laughs> I pay money for this. Like, one, lock up, your, like, handle your dog. Like, if you're going to be there, make sure the dog stays on your side of the house. Now, is this the dog's room that you're renting out? That's not fair to the dog. I don't have a contract with the dog. And he obviously has free reign of this house. This is inappropriate. Y'all should have worked this out. You can't just be renting out the dog's room. <laughs> the dog's going to be confused. Like, who is this human in my bed? I don't know. Well, I'm going to just cuddle up to see where this goes, you know? <laughs> like, like, you just have random people in the house. The dog is just confused. Like, oh, okay, whatever. I guess I just cuddle up with this stranger <laughs> who's in my bed. Like, I got a human bed because, like, my owners love me like that. But they just be having random humans in here on a regular basis. But, like, yeah. So what are some names that you feel are too human to be a dog's name? Now, they're, cats are a different creature, clearly. But just, like, a different category. They're just... They're... There's a different consideration for what names are too human for uh, a cat. But I think a cat named Kevin, too. I think I would have still been like, why? Why why does your dog have a human name? Now, like I said, Jack, because we have Jack Russell Terriers, which is obviously a breed of dogs. So it's not as off-putting. But if the dog's name was Bill, I don't know. Like, I don't know, it's like, oh no, the dog's name is William, but we call him Bill. I think that's a little too human because I know a few Williams. <laughs> that's a little too close, it's a little too close. But um, I don't know, yeah, let me know what names, what people names you think sound too human to be a dog's name. I, I'd be interested to find out what <laughs> what you guys consider Um like just if you found out someone's dog was named that, like, like really, really, your dog's name is Rebecca. Like, does does Rebecca have a job? Like, I feel like Rebecca pays a mortgage somewhere. That's your dog's name. <laughs> okay, I guess. But. <laughs> Shout out to Rebecca's out there. It's like, oh yeah, her name's Rebecca, but we call her Becky. Why does your dog have a nickname? Like like a human. Like, why are we shortening the name? Just name the dog Becky then. Like, just... Do you have a birth certificate that has, like, this is their birth name and this is what we call them? Like, it, listen, if that's, if that's a thing, let me know about that too, Okay. But until next time, when we will be talking about Dead Letter. Now, this is an episode that I've watched multiple times. So it 
it's not a favorite, but it's definitely uh, one that I can sit and watch and not think twice about. But there is some problematic stuff going on in here, okay? Problematic. And we are going to point them out. Okay, we're going to go over it. We're going to get through it, all right? <laughs> Wild, okay? Anyway, until next time, you can find me on Instagram at the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook Meta at the Fletcher Files Pod on Facebook Meta. And of course, as always, on Patreon, oh, the content of it all at the Fletcher Files Pod on Patreon. Okay. Just uploaded some additional content because. Of course. Okay. Get that extra content, people. So until next time, promise me you will have an amazing week and I will do the same. Until then, bye.